welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the lab here, uh, out of Connecticut. Did of you all forget places. where you were? No, I was hoping I would forget. Mm, um, very well. Just because East Coast isn't my style, but sure. I'm not hating. Um, the weekly lab at gmail.com is how to get a hold of us. And on this show, we dig in and dissect to a very wide range of topics, mm-hmm. a wide variety. Yes. Uh, you never know what we'll be doing. You can catch us on shortwave radio, WRMI, out of Florida, broadcast our signal around the world. Mm-hmm. And on iTunes, you can download the uh, podcast each week. Try mm-hmm. to upload uh, every weekend, Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, we talked about... What did we talk about? The most devastating natural disasters, right? That was part four, was it? Yes. Of our uh, most extreme series here. Yes. Uh, We haven't really gone in any particular direction. No. Wide variety. Wide variety, exactly. Uh, So, yeah. Last week we talked about, um, it was cyclones. Yep. And we talked about, uh, I believe you mentioned the tsunami. Mm-hmm. Or the two tsunami, as you pronounce it. Two tsunamis. And we also talked about a uh, crazy earthquake. Mm-hmm. You mentioned one that uh, rocked. Where did that one? Uh, where did that one rock? It uh, rocked Haiti. Uh, Haiti. That's yep. right. The uh, Caribbean or the Caribbean, depending on how you pronounce it. Right. And uh, I briefly mentioned the one in uh, southeast Missouri, along yeah. the New Madrid fault line. Right. Uh, interesting stuff there. Extreme stuff. Extreme stuff. For sure. Um, so we've uh, discussed natural disasters. We've discussed uh, extreme locations, places, if you will, mm-hmm. different countries, um, like the most remote place out in the middle of the Pacific where your nearest people um, at times are the astronauts on the International yeah, Space Station. That's that was how wild. Um, so today we're going to shift gears and talk about most extreme people. Yeah. Or groups of people. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody's extreme, I guess you could say. In their own uh, personal way. Yeah, in one way or another. For sure. Uh, people are people are extreme. Um, but today, as we mentioned in the closing of last week's episode, uh, we're going to talk about the uncontacted tribes that still exist throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And I will admit, when I first heard about this, uh, people say I live under a rock all the time because there's just things that you would think would be common sense that... I don't know anything about. Yeah, but um, you know a lot of stuff that other people don't know. So that, if you, that makes me extreme. Yeah, because like you, I always say you're a book of, I wouldn't say useless knowledge. I just say well, you're a book of knowledge. Random. Ran- yes, That's random. That's the word you use, but you just All said the useless, time. so now I know how you feel. No, not useless. Um, so knowledge. a buddy of mine was telling me about these uh, uncontacted tribes. Mm-hmm. It had to be probably 2012. When he was telling you? Right. And I didn't believe him. I was like, there's no way. And he's like, dude, I'm serious. Not in the modern days, right? Yeah. And I was like, no. And he's like, just Google it. Look it up. And sure enough, they still exist today, some eight years later. Yeah. Come to find out there's like 100 plus non-contacted tribes. Throughout the world. Yeah. Um, So that's what we're going to discuss today. Um, A lot of them are focused in specific regions, obviously, you're not going to find them, you know, in Manhattan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but for real, a lot of them are in uh, South America. A lot of them are in Papua New Guinea. Mm, I, I could see that, I guess. And then select uh, islands in the Indian Ocean mm-hmm. in that region over there. Yeah. And um, the one, I think probably the most famous is the one on, what is it, North Sentinel Island? Yes. And I know you have the information on that. I do. Um, what All I know really about them is that they are on this isolated island. Mm-hmm. 
there has been so many deadly encounters with them that the government finally stepped in, the Indian government, yep. and put an exclusion zone around it, saying nobody's allowed in, and if you do, you face like heavy fines, prison time, you know, you name it. Yeah. And whenever that uh, tsunami hit that you were talking about, they actually sent people out to make sure that they were okay. Mm-hmm. And they actually came under fire by arrows. Yeah, it was the Indian Coast Guard. And they posted videos and photos of the tribe, like, shooting arrows. At their which, helicopter. I mean, yeah, I don't know if they know what a helicopter is, but chances of a little, like, stick arrow. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how advanced it. their arrows are. Right. But... They tried to take down the helicopters because they didn't want—they don't want anything to do with anybody still to and, this day. And I don't even know for sure if they even like have discovered fire. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think they have. Like the last I remember hearing about them, they think that's like one of the only tribes that hasn't even discovered fire yet. That would be pretty crazy, right? Yeah, they. Um, so really, their only surveying of them, like regularly has been through photos mm-hmm. because you're not supposed to go out there. There have been some explorations. Um, National Geographic was actually supposed to go out there in the 70s and do an exploration. And their journalists actually got attacked mm-hmm. by the time they got to the island and were like setting up and everything. They got attacked and they had to take them off the island. So Nat Geo never got to do their expose on the Centilles tribe. Um, maybe that was something they would have found out, but they are known to be hunters and gatherers. So they have no agricultural setup at all. As far as other tribes, like they don't have crops, they don't have animals, they don't have anything that they raise. They just hunt and gather. They eat local vegetation, plants, whatever they can find. They so, fish, right? Don't they fish? They fish. Um, yeah. I mean, local, I don't know what's on the island as far as animals to eat, but I mean, that's all they do. They don't like... You know what I mean? Yeah, and I know a lot of people think like deserted island. They think it's just like a sandbar out in the ocean, but this is like a pretty good sized island, mm-hmm. and uh, it's covered in trees. Yeah. And one video I did see a while back was them collecting coconuts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people dropped the coconuts off to them or if it was coconuts that was on the beach from their own trees or whatnot. Yeah. So um, it's it's little things like that that keep them thriving, and they don't know exactly how many there are either, right? Because they have like no census. They have yeah, the uh, Indian government doesn't count them in their census. So their first census... Not that, that they need bodies to count in right, India. Right, right. Yeah, it's just kind of like a little thing that they, they're they like, eh, you know, they we know they exist. They're mm-hmm. part of us, but we'll just let them be. So their first census that they tried to take were from photos taken by air. Mm-hmm. So by helicopter. It was in 1991 was the first time they actually tried to kind of get a feel for how many people were out there. And it was estimated there was only 117 people on the island. And then in 2011, based on photographs, they said that they could only find 15 people. So, uh, an estimate. Like, whenever I try to estimate something, like, I usually round up. How do they come to 117? That's what I was trying to think. You they got to think about, like, the ratio of adults and children and, like, something. Yeah. I'm sure they had scientists working on it and came out with numbers like, somehow. Oh, there's a kid. He must have a mom and a dad. Yeah. Throw another number on there. I have what no idea. What are we idea. at now? 117? All right. Call it good. Yeah. So, but at one point, the uh, Indian government recognized them as part of their own republic as far as, like, that allowed the government and the Coast Guard, essentially their local Coast Guard, to um, control the island for safety purposes, like you said, to put, like, that area around it. Um And then in 2017, they actually passed a law where you could not post videos or photographs of the tribe to social media at all. Hmm. So you're not supposed to be posting anything that you collect from the area, I guess. I don't know. 
but we, oh, probably to discourage people from going there, going out there and trying. But it's weird because in 2018, and you were talking about how they set up that area where you're not supposed to like mm-hmm. even try and go. Um, August 2018, the government there revoked some of the rules that put the strict restrictions on going to the island. So you still have to get permission from the government and like the um, like forestry mm. people in order to go out there. So they will grant certain people permission to go out there. But what's the point? Because later that year, November of 2018, some guy on a missionary trip died. Right. Because he hired like seven fishermen to take him out there to do like a religious missionary trip and he died. They killed him on the beach. Yeah. So So it's like, yes, we will give you a permit for your suicide mission. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like... I, yep, sure. I Maybe mean, they make a lot of money off of giving the permits. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know how much they cost. I don't. I have no idea. I'm pretty so. sure that uh, missionary guy, though, he went out there illegally. Like he, oh, yeah, they, he uh, found the fishermen, hired them, and then... They all got arrested. Yeah. So later on, all seven fishermen got arrested by Indian police wow. and thrown in prison. So they took the risk. He probably paid them pretty good mm-hmm. to take them out there. He knew what he was doing. So... Um, but yeah, so they apparently have been around for like 60,000 years, they're estimating that tribe. So possibly, I don't know. Um, and even neighboring islands, like some of the closest islands for the times that they did try and make contact with them, the local languages on those islands, they didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. And whatever the Santillis tribe was saying to them, they didn't recognize. So they have created their own language that like they can't converse with anybody. Right. So even if they weren't as deadly, like how would you make contact with like how could you explain, like, I'm here in peace, yeah, you know, hello. like, and that guy's a religious missionary. He had no ill intent towards them, but how are you ever supposed to know how to talk to these people? Right. So, um, yeah, because they were saying that in 2006, too, I was reading that um, two fishermen died there, too. Yeah, they uh, fell asleep at night, right, and their boat drifted or something? Yeah, they were drunk. Oh, uh, were they? Allegedly. 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 So witnesses from their, like, fishing crew mm. actually saw them get killed. Mm, by wow. the locals, and they said that they were wearing, like, little, like, cloth thingies, like, normal, you know, tribe attire, if you will, and they had axes, and they, like, bludgeoned them to death, and then, so when the Coast Guard went out to do the surveying, like, a couple of years later, and see how the people were still faring after the tsunami, um, they, the rotor wash, essentially, the rotor, like, brushed away the sand and they found the two fishermen in shallow graves on the beach like it unearthed their bodies really yeah because they were like hovering so low to see like the Uh, people you believe that i do was it on wikipedia no it was on an actual like research website and they had interviews from the family members of those two fishermen saying that like they just wanted their bodies back Uh, so that they could bury them and all this kind of stuff and the like coast guard people said that they could see like axe wounds on the bodies and it kind of brought some closure because back in the day people were saying you know like i just assumed that they were cannibals mm-hmm. like they yeah, just I ate was, people i was gonna say that and that's a stereotype of all like uncontacted tribes or like amazonian tribes is they're all like cannibals mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that kind of brought light to the fact that they're n- it's not proven that they're not mm-hmm. but the fact that they buried two people that they killed and they didn't know instead of eating them, yeah, kind of made people think like, well, they're probably not cannibals then, because why wouldn't they eat those people? That's true. You know what I mean? But the bodies were whole, so they didn't do anything to them. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting, because I really feel like that is one of those stereotypes about tribes, especially uncontacted ones that you can't even communicate with. You could make that assumption. You're like, Meh, yeah, they, you know? 
so they have like no like maybe knowledge of like the modern world yet they wear loincloths like where where do they get that idea i have no idea how do they know they're supposed to be dressed i have no idea or maybe not supposed to be but mm-hmm. you know ain't that interesting as well yeah i mm-hmm. don't know maybe they just they're they just prefer it their nether region got cold on a tropical island Maybe. You never know. I have no idea. Could be breezy. I mean, you know, you don't know if there's coconuts on there. You don't know what the weather climate's like. Yeah. Who I knows? Don't, you don't could know. you could get a permit now because it's past 2018. You could go out there and find out for yourself. Ask them. You're like, hey, why are you wearing that? Sup, bruh? Toss them a pair of Hanes or something. Yeah. Put these on. Try these out for size. Boxers like, or briefs. What do you prefer? They'd be like, oh, <laughs> Can't even imagine what their language would be. I but know, you can't even do like a... Uh, a uh, fake accent. Yeah, mm-hmm. seriously. But um, mm-hmm. like you said, they are extremely hostile and violent. Um, Marco Polo actually documented something back in the day. Yeah. And that's how people know that they've been around for so long. And he said he documented how hostile and violent they were when they tried to make contact with people while they were doing explorations and stuff. So, huh. so that tells me that they probably did have an encounter that didn't end well for their tribe. And that's why they are so like offensive. I mean, I can't blame show up, them. You know, I would be too, and especially I some some uh, foreigners showed up at some something. point in history, did something bad, and it just got passed on. Like anybody that shows up on this beach, they're here to get you. Yeah, and then when you live a sheltered life, like or you know, just like a cut off life from that, that's all you have to go off of. You don't know any better. So mm-hmm. of course, generation after generation, it's going to be passed down like that. Yep. So I don't suggest going to the North Sentinel Island off the coast of India. Yeah. It's probably not going to bode well for you. Unless you so. get a permit. Yeah. Um, Even then. <laughs> but so yeah, that's uh, a sentinel tribe, so they sound pretty extreme to me. They are extreme. Extreme peeps. Extreme. Um, with the whole cannibal thing that you mentioned, there mm-hmm. are uh, documented cases on New Guinea mm. of uh, tribes that do practice cannibalism. Yikes. Um, there's over 40, 40 individual uncontacted tribes living in West Papa. Wow. Right? That's a lot. And on that island, not to mention, um, as in a whole, there's more than 800 languages that are spoken. Good grief. I think that's the most uh, diverse uh, linguistic area in the world, or whatever you want to They should set one it. person from each of those 800 and see if any of them can talk to the Centilles tribe. Yeah, they should give it a shot. Huh? I mean, who knows? Um, and on that island as well, Papua New Guinea, or is it just New Guinea now? Or Who Guinea, knows? West Guinea. We know what know. you're talking about. They, they changed it a few years Guinea ago. Guinea sounds weird. Yeah, I like it does. Papua New Guinea. Um, either way, only 18% of the uh, entire population lives like in a urban setting. Everybody else lives out in remote tribes and whatnot out of the entire population there. Hmm. How 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 neat is that? So they probably think the way we live is extreme. They prob yeah. Like, Somebody's doing a podcast right now on weird. Americans. They're like these are the most extreme people. <laughs> these two people living in Connecticut that. Hang out on their porch with their dogs that, on a Saturday. That do a show. Yeah. Um, so shifting gears down to South America now. Mm-hmm. So in South America, there's all sorts of uncontacted tribes, and a lot of them, unfortunately, have been wiped out completely yeah. by um, illegal uh, loggers. Oh, really? Ranchers. Oh, yeah. That's that like the biggest threat down there. It's it's totally different when it's like natural causes, like maybe they just died off, like they didn't repopulate, or maybe they all got sick because they don't get vaccines, you know, because they're not. Well, that's another thing. That's how a lot of them do have uh, been documented of dying. I like, mean, that's, um, that's different than people going in and killing them. 
like I know uh, our, oh my our gosh, listeners can. I thought they were can. sunburnt. I was like, woo! Sunburnt. No, this is an uncontacted tribe. I have a picture here. If you guys want to just go to um, the internet, go to uh, survivalinternational.org, and you can see the pictures that I'm talking about here. So this particular hmm. tribe uses some type of dye that they find in bark. Yeah. And they brush themselves with it. So yeah, no, they're, they're not, like red. They're not sunburnt like no, you were just I, saying. Yeah, because their face is a totally different color. Their body is like yeah. completely red. Oh, that threw yeah. me off. Um, so, Weird. Yeah, and the uh, the Brazilian government has finally taken action and established zones around these um, individual tribes that are found throughout the uh, Amazon hmm. to keep illegal loggers, drug runners, that type of stuff from wiping these people out. Yeah, good. Um, and as it also says that just because like they haven't been in contact with the uh, with like the modern world, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they haven't been contacted by other tribes because right. it, it mentions that everybody has neighbors, whether or not they have a good relationship with them or not. Kind Do of they depends. ask each other for sugar? Right. Maybe. Um, but they say that a lot of them have uh, the ones that have come out of hiding or I don't know if you would call it hiding, have actually been contacted, said that they have contacted other tribes that are out there. They know about them. Yeah. Um, they just didn't hang out with them 24-7, whatever you want to call it. Well, I feel like at that point you kind of have more in common than with some like someone like us showing up because you clearly like if we showed up you clearly wouldn't have anything in common together you know what i mean but seeing another tribes person tribesman whatever you want to call them i'm not really sure what the technical term is tribeswoman chief chief what's up chief what's up chief um you know you would obviously know that you kind of have some connection Very true. Un- unspoken, if you will, because an unspoken they, bond. Yeah, maybe that's what you're speak trying to say. Language. Right. Um, so to take the top here, mm-hmm. um, so we got to figure out who is the most extreme out of out of these two. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you the story of one first, and then we'll go to the story of the second. And at the end of the episode, I'll let you be the judge. All right. So right now, do I need to take notes? No. Nah, okay. Just just sit back and listen. All right. You're going to get schooled here. So um, always down in Am- <laughs> in the uh, Amazon area, there mm-hmm. is uh, one man who is referred to as man of the hole what h-o-l-e man of the hole yes so he is an isolated man and he is believed Hmm. to be the only surviving member of his tribe Hmm. and the rest of his uh, family the rest of his tribe whatever you want to call it were killed by farmers illegal loggers and land grabbers back in the 80s land grabbers yeah people that come in squat on the land and say this is my land and then you know they do whatever Kind of um, like Ray. He just claims stuff. He's like, that's mine. Yeah, it's our dog. Sweet. Um, oh, yeah. That would help. <laughs> yeah, in case you guys didn't know. So the uh, Amazon um, area down there, of course, is overrun by all sorts of illegal activity. Mm-hmm. So the government stepped in. They found this guy, and they didn't contact him. But what they did is they put up, um, like, uh, motion cameras, uh, hunting cameras, trail cams. Mm-hmm. And they went out there, snuck in put them strategically and you can actually see pictures it's kind of crazy and they go out there and they grab the uh, footage every once in a while and they've been monitoring this guy for the last 22 years oh dang so for the last 22 years they have been collecting film and he's the only one that ever shows up on camera huh and they, what he a got solitary the, life right he got the uh, the name man of the hole because his way of uh, hunting is he digs large holes mm-hmm. and puts spikes in the bottom and whenever animals fall in there that's how he traps them and that's how he eats yep I've seen that in the movies <laughs> so this Man dude has been isolated for 20 going on 20 something years now 
And that's only the part that's documented. Right. So, I mean, yeah. who yeah. knows how old the guy actually is. Um, but they have uh, footage of him on the cameras using an axe. Hmm. So they think that he has traded with another uh, tribe that has been in contact with someone, you yeah. know, the modern world. Um, so maybe not complete isolation where he hasn't seen anybody, but he lives literally by himself. Right. So that's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't give an exact location, and I think they do that on purpose, yeah. which I like. They have a they have a picture of his house, though. He has a house? Mm-hmm. How many bedrooms? I don't know. It doesn't say. It looks like an open floor concept. Oh, that looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Dang. It's got a little porch right there. I mean, that's um, pretty high tech because ask me to go out and build something like that, and I'd probably it'd be like one of those nailed it pictures. Like you put his fail. his and then mine, and mine would look like crap next to that. <laughs> um, so that's your that that's your number one. All right. All right, that's Here, pretty extreme. Here's your number two story. Okay. Um, in 1911, the last uncontacted Native American in the United States mm-hmm. walked out of um, his like world isolation into the modern world. And it happened just north of San Francisco. His name is Ishi. Ishi. Or that's what the uh, people named him. So um, for nearly 40 years uh-huh. after the world thought his people had disappeared, he emerged, right? So he walked into the town of Oroville, uh, California. And I think it's north of San Francisco. I think I read that. Mm-hmm. I can't find that part now. So if somebody is from that area, you can feel free to correct me. Um, so he emerged because the rest of his family had all died. Mm. Um, they were overrun by uh, the uh, gold rush. Mm-hmm. A lot of them caught different diseases yeah. and were killed. Yeah. A lot of them were uh, shot. A lot uh. of his tribe was systematically executed Dang. by uh, the white man showing up out there. Of course. And Way to go. a lot of the people that were setting up the uh, gold mills out there and whatnot polluted his entire region, the streams that he was using to fish. The fish yep. all died. Uh, he lived off of salmon. And whenever the gold vanished, because everything was gone, mm-hmm. they packed up, left, and everything just polluted everything. The deer wow. vanished. The fish died. There was disease everywhere. The Native Americans that were left in his tribe became sick. A lot of them starved to death. And... Um, he was all alone. So it actually gives a story about how it was just him and his uncle and his mom were the last ones. His uncle ended up getting killed one night, mm. and then his mom ended up dying like a couple years later. And so this guy, uh, there was a forest fire that broke out near him. So then it really wiped out his food, wiped out his little hut that he was living in. Yep. And he wandered into the streets of Oroville in 1911, and he was covered in ash and whatnot. Mm. The people called the police because they wanted to protect him before yeah. somebody else killed him. Good. So the police put him in jail. They asked him for his name. I don't know how they communicated with this guy. Mm-hmm. Somehow they, whatever. Um, and he was from a tribe called the uh, Yai. Hmm. Y-A-H-I. And um, he couldn't say his name because in his uh, culture, mm-hmm. you don't introduce yourself. Somebody else introduces you before you say your own name. Oh, that sounds fancy. So he said, I can't give you my name, but you can call me Ishi or something like that hmm. is the story. Because Ishi in his language simply means man. Interesting. The name stuck. And uh, while he was in jail, two people from the University of California, Berkeley, came up mm-hmm. and got him out of jail. And they took him to their college and they started studying him. Hmm. And they gave this guy a job showing them how to, uh, basically everything about his life, about his yeah. culture. They He showed them how he, they uh, used to make bows and arrows. 
arrowheads, how they used to fish, like all sorts of different kind of stuff like that. Wow. How neat is that? That would be really cool. So anyway, this guy um, came out of isolation in 1911, hmm. and he hung out with them for, well, he contracted tuberculosis in 1916, and, and that's what costed him his life. Dang. Um, but here's a picture of him. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he's straight up Native American. Oh, yeah. And uh, you guys can look that up online as well. Uh, I-S-H-I, the last wild Native American. And you'll see the pictures there. Um, he in a business suit? Yeah, they put him in a business suit. But he's barefoot. You notice that, right? Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't want to wear the, the foot prison. Hmm. But he's got a tie on. so yeah, He's looking sharp. He can pull that look off. Yeah. I, I kind of like it. So, anyway... They took this guy in, and um, he showed them how he used to make fire. I mean, there's a whole write-up right here if you just want to check it out. Yeah. It's really neat. Um, but ultimately, unfortunately, after just, you know, what, five years, he contracted yeah. tuberculosis because his immune system I mean, didn't exist. Yeah, never been vaccinated or exposed to anything. And so that, as far as the world knows, is the last Native American to uh, to come out of the wilderness, if you will. Hmm. So, um, with that being said, who do you think earns the spot as the most extreme? Wow. That's a really hard one, because the second one, that story's so sad. It is. Because I feel like just the coming in, wiping everything out, like ruining everything, not only for him and his tribe, but like nature as well. Like that story just disgusts me. Um, But as far as like the most extreme... I think I'd have to go with the first one. You think the guy was the, the hole. man of the hole? Yeah, because those people observed him doing his thing for like 22 years. Yeah. And he literally lived in a hut and lived that life, digging holes with spikes, trapping animals, and living that isolated life successfully for so long. Like, now I don't know how old Ishii was. Yeah, they don't know either. He was estimated to have been born between 1860 and 1862. Wow. So he was... In his 50s. In his 50s. So, I mean, he still lived that life for that long. But um, I think the story behind that and how the, you know, professors from UC Berkeley was able to make contact with him and study him and probably the historical um, evidence and knowledge that he provided to us is, you know irreplaceable so i mean i think he did a lot for our culture as far as like understanding him and his culture um but for most extreme i would have to go with man in the hole man in the hole yeah all right i wonder if you ever noticed the trail cams though you know because i do they do make them camouflage and you can hide them pretty good but i wonder if he was like what the heck is that as far as i saw online there was no footage of him like going up and investigating it which Mm. i feel like would be the first thing he would do yeah which is weird because like, we put trail cams on our house out um, in Idaho, and yep. the deer see them. Yeah. And they, like, he, they can almost hear it clicking, like, getting ready to take a picture, and they get right up next to it and, like, bump it with their nose, or you can see their eyes shift towards it and stuff. So, mm-hmm. it makes you wonder. Yeah. But, um, if you ever get a chance to uh, check out, there is a documentary on Netflix, and it's only, like, 30 or 40 minutes long, and it's about hmm. uncontacted tribes. Oh. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's this uh, dude who is some scientist, maybe he's an um, anthropologist or something, whoever studies that type of stuff. But he goes down to um, South America, and while he is there, a tribe actually comes out and makes contact with him. Oh. And it's frightening because... I was going to say, that would be scary. This dude is sitting on the side of the river, 
and he has like his machete machetes and everything that he's going to use to clear out the path while he's like doing research mm-hmm. and one of the dudes walks up and grabs the machete I'd be like, whoa. And they don't speak the same language. The cameraman is catching it all on footage, and the uh, the scientist is, like, trying to motion for him to, like, like put it down. Yeah. He doesn't want to touch him because he doesn't want him to get him sick, and, mm-hmm. like, it just, like, it makes your heart race. Like, what the heck is going to happen here? Yeah, that would be intimidating. But by the end of the series, uh, or by the end of that show, um, it turns out that somebody knows how to speak their language because... Um, I don't know, however they do all that stuff down there. That all that confuses me, but they can trace it. And um they ended up making contact with this uh these individuals from this tribe and they were coming out of uh the wilderness because loggers were had like killed half their tribe. Oh man. So they were just trying to find like a new place to live. Yeah. And when they found that guy's stuff, they didn't know like what stealing was or anything. They were oh, just yeah. like, Oh, I'll take that. Oh, yeah, that's that, mine. That's mine. But like <laughs> and I'm not making fun of anybody, but right. like in one of the closing scenes it shows that dude wearing clothes for the first time in his life. Mm-hmm. And you should just see what he picked out. Yeah. For his outfit. It's probably like a toddler dressing himself for the first time. You're like, <laughs> it all was, right, dude. Uh, it was pretty funny. And I think he gave himself <laughs> a haircut, too. Like, nice. what he thought looked cool. And nice. you just can't help but smile. You're like, good for you, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you know. Coming into your own. Welcome to the world. <laughs> um, anyway, if I didn't say it at the beginning, uh, Ryan Rivers, Kate Holiday here. And this wraps up the, uh, the most extreme. Yeah. So next week we'll have a different topic for you. Tune in. The weekly lab at gmail.com is how to get a hold of us. So send us your ideas. <laughs>